The entire world is focusing on the fact that we are down to the final four teams of the NFL's 2023-2024 to season. And me and Mel Kuyper Jr. just thinking about mock drafts, baby. Welcome in to First Draft. I am Field Yates, the man of the day, the hour, the year, the decade, the era, you name it. Mel Kuyper Jr. is here as well. And Mel, your first mock draft of the year has been turned in. How much relief do you feel right now? Not a lot because it's pretty easy. This is, the I think, the most simple first-round mock you will do because of the fact we don't have a lot of information. You say, well, why does that make it easier? Because you're not going to be sitting there figuring, okay, in the 3, 4 in the morning, do I do this player or that player? You just make a decision based on needs now, based on the decision where you see players now, try to project what their workout numbers, computer numbers will be, and just make the call and live with it. Nobody's going to be there calling you saying, hey, I just found this out or I just found that out or get a call from a team saying do this do that it's none of that field this is the easiest of the mocks I do four of these now I used to do five now I do four uh, but I think when you look at mock 1.0 sometimes this turns out to be the most accurate of all the mocks we do sometimes uh, the more you know the less you know Mel when it comes to the draft and when it comes to a lot of things in life the mock draft will drop tomorrow Tuesday on ESPN plus make sure if you aren't already subscribed you get a subscription I can tell you this Mel's mocks alone make it worth your dollar, but there's so much more that comes along with it. And a reminder on First Draft, live on YouTube every Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Thanks to those that are watching us right now. We're also on Thursdays and next Monday. Next Monday, January 29th, we will start our TV portion of the show, 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2. America spoke. They said they wanted more Mel. We're giving them more Mel on TV. All right, so Mock Draft 1.0 will be live in its totality tomorrow, Mel. I have only seen the first 16 picks because we don't want to give America everything. This is merely an appetizer here as we begin the Mock Draft, which you said might be the easiest one that you have done or you will do over the course of the next 97 or so days until the draft begins. Let's begin at the very top of the draft this year, if it's so straightforward, what does that mean the Chicago Bears will be doing in your estimation? I think you keep the pick and you take Caleb Williams. And I went back and forth on this about a month ago. And really over the last two, three weeks, I've solidified my feeling on this field. Caleb Williams is too doggone good. You go back to 2022, he was that gone near perfect. I mean, he was making throws and he was looking like Mahomes and doing great things. He earned that Heisman Trophy because of his performance week in and week out. This year, really after the Arizona game, we talked about it. He wasn't the same player he had been the previous year, but it would be tough to duplicate that. And I think a lot of it plays into why his, he struggled a little bit in some games, particularly that Notre Dame game in South Bend that Saturday night. But you think about where we are in terms of the Bears resetting the clock, okay, with Caleb Williams. If it's a push, if it's an even situation between keeping Justin Fields or taking Caleb Williams, you take Caleb Williams. You don't even think about it, Field. You see the numbers. We say, well, he struggled a little bit this year. Look at that completion percentage. It's better this year than it was in 22 when he was lights out. Look at the touchdown-interception ratio. Less touchdowns, but he does not throw costly interceptions. And you see the passer efficiency. To me, he gives you that arm talent, the ability to see the field, and also do things from an improvisational standpoint that only the great ones can do. He can take a play that's going to be a disaster and make it a positive play and get you in field goal range or maybe set up a touchdown or create a touchdown where nobody else could field. So for me, the Chicago Bears, 
take Caleb Williams, you pick again at nine, you can get the receiver there to help Caleb Williams. You got Moore, who's a guy who can get it done on one side, you add a receiver on the other, and all of a sudden your team's a heck of a lot better. And like I said, and then you can trade Justin Fields. Now I'm hearing you're not going to get a first-round pick. We'll see if they trade Justin Fields, what they can get Field. But I'm making the move with Justin Fields, trading Justin, even though I like him, We'll hope somebody else really likes him or loves him, that we can get a little bit more in a trade than maybe some people think. But I'm taking Caleb Williams number one overall. All right, before I offer any thoughts on Caleb Williams from my own vantage point, Mel, I would be curious because there are some detractors this year that did not exist a season ago. I wonder if it's as simple as the fact that USC was just a far inferior team this year and that Caleb won the Heisman Trophy in part because of the team's success last season. If you look at Caleb Williams' games this year, Mel, Other than that game against Notre Dame where he throws three picks, he also had a long touchdown run that was called back because of a silly penalty. Were there areas that Caleb Williams legitimately struggled this year, or am I the only one that's having a hard time finding those? Yeah, uh, Field, I'm with you. I think when you look at Caleb, and I went back to it, I tried to say, okay, why are we a little down? What is it? There's things that play into why. Of course, he didn't have Jordan Addison either. We forget that, the number one go-to guy who ended up a first-round pick to the Minnesota Vikings. But I think if you're the Chicago Bears, I know Mike Tannenbaum always says, and I think resetting the clock, well, you don't want to just do it to reset the clock. There's got to be a reason to do it, and Caleb is the reason. And I know when you think about where we are right now in terms of quarterbacks in the NFL, we got – Patrick Mahomes, we have Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. I mean, we got some elite. Joe Burrow, when he's at full strength, obviously, elite quarterbacks. Caleb can be in that top five, and Caleb can be one of those elite guys. Justin Fields, maybe, but that's an unknown. We say, hey, Caleb may not may not be that guy. Maybe we're overrating him. That's an unknown, but the unknown about Justin is there as well. So we can say, people say, well, you got to keep the known and not draft the unknown. Well, they're both unknown, so I've, I've discussed that a lot over the last month. So for Caleb Williams to me, Field, with the Chicago Bears, a team that played hard down the stretch, okay? They have got, they went out there and they got Montez Sweat, the pass rushing defensive end, who led two teams in sacks this year, traded away a second round pick. If they can recoup that two for Justin Fields, maybe add another pick as well, and then you get Caleb Williams and you pick at nine, to me, that's a bonanza without making a trade of number one overall. You can still make that move with Justin. And like I say, that ninth pick overall could get you that go-to option along with more, which is going to help that passing game and help Caleb Williams as a rookie in the National Football League. Yeah, Mel, so just to go back to the skill set for Caleb Williams, because I, I truly wonder when people are sitting here today with more doubt surrounding Caleb Williams, other than the, compared to what they had last year, like, I wonder, Mel, if it's as simply traceable to some of the quotes that have emanated from Caleb Williams' camp including the time during a GQ profile where I believe it was his father who was quoted as talking about Caleb's aspirations of being an NFL owner one day or owning part of a franchise. And people are saying, well, let's not put the cart before the horse here, right? Let's just get in the NFL before we start worrying about things like having partial ownership in a team. Because as a player, Mel, I watched him again this season with an offensive line in USC that wasn't going to confuse anybody as a Joe Moore Award finalist, right? A wide receiver group that's got one player that's draft eligible this year, and Brendan Rice, who probably will be taken, but he's more likely a day three type player than he is a day one prospect, which he had at his disposal last year with Jordan Addison. And we showed you the numbers earlier on this season, or from this season compared to last year. They're not that far off other than the passing touchdowns department. And Mel, when I think about the way in which Jordan, uh, excuse me, in which Caleb Williams can beat you, look at the various quarterbacks that either are still in play right now with the Final Four team set 
Orr, which made a big push this year, including the Buffalo Bills last night. And Caleb Williams, his ability to create section, second reaction throws is going to completely flummox defenses, right? He's not as elusive as Lamar Jackson or his draft counterpart, Jaden Daniels, in this year's class. But there is some shades of, let me use that term very specifically, shades of Patrick Mahomes when he can extend plays because he's definitely a good enough athlete that he can turn a would-be sack into a 8, 12, 15, as we saw last night with Mahomes, a 20-plus yard scamper down the sideline that I think all the traits on paper, or on the field, excuse me, are really, really good for Caleb Williams. I'm just having a hard time figuring out why it feels like the bloom is off the rose a little bit this year, other than the fact that maybe people feel like uh, Caleb has eyes that are bigger than just becoming the number one overall pick. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I just can't quite figure it out. I think when you're at the top, people want to knock you off your perch. And I think when you are at the top as a underclassman and you win a Heisman Trophy and you're daggone near perfect, you come into this year and you're the, I thought he was the Heisman going to win a Heisman again. Or he'd be doing what Archie Griffin did, went two in a row. And he got off to that great start, right, without Jordan Addison. Then they start saying, well, this game, that game. And then they pick apart different things they see. Oh, what, I remember Miles Garrett. I was screaming at everybody about, you can have other interests. You can do things a different way. You can be multi-talented and have a lot of different interests other than just football and be great field so for Caleb they're going to do that look at last night Josh Allen is phenomenal you're going to nitpick about a final drive when he gets him in field goal range and he gets hit on a throw that could have been a touchdown where he should have taken the, the underneath he was even had a touchdown if he doesn't get hit as he's throwing the ball okay and he got him in field goal range uh, Butker got in field goal range from Patrick Mahomes a few years ago made the long field goal and they went in overtime they didn't make the field goal so we're going to nitpick that it's, it's ridiculous nonsense so for me a lot of this is nonsense and for Caleb Williams when you went back and I studied two years ago and this year and your right field there's there's not much not to like, okay? I mean, you got to love this kid, the way he performs. Is he going to be generational? Who knows? I said Trevor Lawrence would be. He's not there yet. Will he be? Who knows? But the bottom line with Caleb Williams is uh, he's number one on the board for a reason. He's maintained that for a reason. I don't think you can put any quarterback ahead of him. Uh, Drake May maybe could have been that guy to challenge him a little bit, but Drake May didn't have a great year, yeah. okay? Jaden Daniels did, but Jaden Daniels went from a fourth-round pick to the third, second pick overall. So to, be, to move ahead of Caleb Williams, that wasn't going to happen. So Caleb is the guy. Chicago has the pick. It's it just in the simplest form. Take the quarterback who has the ability to be one of the top five in the league and the potential to be that guy. And you have a chance because of the way Justin Fields played field. Take advantage of that. Had he not played well, you're not going to get yeah. much in return. Totally. Now, because he played so well and showed so much promise, they can trade Justin Fields, get something in return, like that second-round pick you lost for Montez Sweat, which was a great trade, by the way. wasn't like Chase Claypool. This was a heck of a trade for Ryan Poles. Now you can maybe recoup that and maybe get something else for Justin Fields. I just, I, I almost didn't want to bring the nonsense up, Mel. Nobody knows better than you just how much nonsense there is during the pre-draft process, right? I mean, guys are picked apart for reasons that literally have zero value whatsoever when it comes to being a professional quarterback. But I wanted to say it now because based off of what we have seen on the football field through two seasons at USC and half a season in Oklahoma, it's hard for me to find a real blemish in the skill set of Caleb Williams. You and I agree the number one player in this class and a very deserving number one overall pick. We're not going to give you the full 16 picks, Mel, but we, we will give you number two. Because things get interesting, my friend. The commanders take a quarterback, but might not be the one that America is thinking. Who you got? 
I'm going Jaden Daniels, a quarterback from LSU, formerly of Arizona State, who Herm Edwards, who recruited him, I said, give me a cop. He gave me Randall Cunningham, Herm did, who knows Jaden Daniels as well as anybody. Everybody says Lamar Jackson. He went with Randall Cunningham. You look at the uh, skill set field, the dual threat capabilities, and the fact that he was aggressive with his throws, aggressive running with the football, yet he didn't turn it over. And that's a tough tap dance to be able to throw 40 touchdowns, four picks only, don't turn it over, yet go out there and just let it rip field. And he would let it rip to Brian Thomas Jr. and Malik Neighbors. Malik Neighbors has a chance to be a really high pick. Brian Thomas Jr. has a chance to be a mid-first rounder. So he did have two great receivers to throw to. But you look at the improvement he showed this year. Look at the touchdowns. Way up, right? Completion percentage. It wasn't that bad. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was outstanding in 2022. Okay? He did some great things at Arizona State before he came there. He put on a little weight. He was not about a 180, 185 any longer. So I think the fact that Jaden Daniels did what he needed to do this year in terms of adding weight to that frame, improving in all areas to the point field where he went from a third, fourth, fifth round type of pick to a top five pick guaranteed, and I think the second pick overall. So when I look at, you mentioned the quarterbacks, okay? Mahomes extending things. Josh Allen being Superman out there. Lamar Jackson being unbelievable doing what he does, okay? Those types of quarterbacks that really, I think when you talk about threatening a defense, stressing a defense, you think you you have a defense. You saw Spagnuolo on the sidelines when Josh made that remarkable play, touchdown pass to to Shakir, okay? He's just saying, there's nothing else we can do. Just chalk it up to being a great quarterback, Josh. You're great. And Mahomes, you're great. The great ones make unbelievable plays, okay? Nobody else can. Jaden Daniels showed that capability. That's why I think the dual threat capability that he has, the ability to do things that very few can do, is the reason why I think he could go number two overall. And also the fact that Drake May, late in the year, the Virginia, NC State, missing open receivers, not as accurate and precise as he has been and could be in the NFL. So I still love Drake May. I don't think I, there's any doubt about that. He's going to go, I think, either two or three. But for Jaden, ride that momentum. Look at where he is as a player right now and look at the league and what those defenses really struggle against. That's a quarterback like Jaden Daniels. Absolutely, Mel. And by the way, we are you know Monday morning quarterbacking right now as it pertains to the divisional round of the playoffs. And so often we are talking about quarterbacks in clutch moments. How do they perform when the lights are shining brightest, when the stakes are at their highest? Under two minutes to go. Got to have it to situations down big in the fourth quarter you name it your defense is doing absolutely nothing for you whatever the circumstances might be and find me a player this year in college football who more often than not put his team on its back when he needed to and the results were borderline lights out Mel you think about the Florida game 295 rushing yards for Jaden Daniels. The Missouri game, that Missouri team who's going to be loaded with NFL draft prospects, probably a first-round corner in Ennis Rakestraw Jr. They've got Chris Abrams-Drain, another maybe third, fourth-round pick at corner. Darius Robinson, maybe a second, third-round pick at defensive end. I mean, you got all kinds of NFL talent on that defense, and they had no answers, none, for Jaden Daniels when that game was coming down to it In the fourth quarter, even Alabama, a team that we know not only has guys who will go in the first round this year on defense mail, but unless they lose them all to the transfer portal, it's got to have probably, I don't know, 10, 12 guys that will eventually be drafted in the first round currently on the roster that aren't even draft eligible yet. Jaden Daniels, compared to his own standards, was just okay against Alabama mail, and he had nearly 400 yards of offense. When the moment was at its biggest, 
Jaden Daniels was at his best. I'm a big believer in the importance of clutch production for quarterbacks. Like the ones that show they can consistently do it are a difference maker, whether it's a Patrick Mahomes who has been the standard, at least in terms of the quarterbacks that are out there right now. Tom Brady obviously defined it for 20 plus years. Lamar Jackson started to pile up those moments. At least this past Saturday was a good step in that direction. To me, the moxie, the intangibles that Jaden Daniels brings to the table are just so good that it's hard for me to bet against him. You mentioned Drake Maymail, and I think that one of the realities when it comes to these mock drafts is that when you're taking one guy, it's viewed as a slight against the other guy. But why not Drake May number two overall? Well, I just look at a couple games, and it's a couple games against teams they should. They were 24-point favorite over Virginia, lose the game. NC State, better team, but he still struggled in that game, particularly early on. You think about not having Tez Walker early in the year. Think about what he was able to do. You see him there catching the touchdown pass. Had he had him from the get-go, which he should have, but the NCAA said no, and he had to wait, right? He didn't have uh, uh, Downs, who moved on to the NFL and the Indianapolis Colts. Green as well, lost his two top targets. So, again, and then didn't have Walker uh, early in the year, but the precise passing, putting the ball on the money where the receiver can do the maximum with the football after the catch, that was lacking on some plays. Now, again, is it nitpicking? Well, it's a couple games against teams where the pressure wasn't there. He had time to throw in the pocket. He had guys open, and he flat out missed them. And I think when you look at Drake, I think you look at the ability to move, he can do that. He can stress the defense with his legs. He's an outstanding athlete. He's got a heck of an arm. People compare him to Justin Herbert. I had no problem with that. Justin Herbert was the third quarterback taken when he came out, right, behind Joe Burrow and Tua. Josh Allen was a third quarterback taken. People forget that. Third quarterback taken behind Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, right? Ben Roethlisberger, third quarterback taken behind Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers. That third quarterback over the years, I can go one and one. There's more than what I said, but we know we got time here. We can't do it all about this pick here and all about this one quarterback. But the third quarterback off the board has hit big in a lot of years. And Drake May or Jaden Daniels, whoever that third quarterback is, history tells us uh, there's a chance he's going to have success. And for Drake May, these teams also, think about New England, Washington, Chicago, and where we are right now, where they are at quarterback, uh, they gave Sam Howe a chance. Mac Jones, I don't, I mean, Mac Jones got a raw deal. I mean, Mac Jones was not dealt a great hand there. Uh, you talk about the coordinator, think about the sex he had as a rookie, then the coordinators changes, they bring guys in that aren't offensive coordinators. You think about where we are right now in terms of receivers at New England, the offensive line, Washington as well, uh, you with you know, Sam Howe now needing a quarterback. So these teams, they gave the guy a shot. Uh, and it just didn't work. Uh, some No fault of Mac Jones, I think. Mac Jones needs help, and he didn't get it. He's not a quarterback and carry on a team on his shoulders and offense. So uh, with Drake May, you still got to help him outfield. You got to get some help on the offensive line. You got to get receivers. We know that. So it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, you got to get those guys around him to help. And New England's going to have some work to do other than just getting a quarterback and pick number three. Yeah, two closing thoughts there. One, I think you and I should both get a tattoo. I don't think either of us is big tattoo guys yet now, but we should get a tattoo maybe across our forehead that says, I, in all capital letters, love QB3 because whoever it is is still a player that we love. It's just that somebody has to be quarterback one, someone's going to slide in between quarterback three and, and quarterback one, and then someone's going to be quarterback three. Like, it's okay. Jaden Daniels or Drake May, or even if it's Caleb Williams somehow, are all awesome, awesome players uh, to go third amongst these quarterbacks. And the last thought I'll give you a little Bang. fun fact. Look, look, I'll give, hey, I'll give you interesting fact. You, you said about the tattoos. I do love, t- I do love tattoos on women. Oh, okay. I learned something new today. I would not have expected that. Okay. 
All right, maybe, yeah. maybe you can convince listen to Darian, If you listen to Darian Mel on Saturday, I've talked about that a lot over okay. the years. So it's, it's, a, it's not, it's not an unknown, but I think to our listeners, I mean, uh, uh, 35 years, 34, 35 years, been begging. No tattoos. Not All right, happening. Kim, we got to work on that. That's a 2024 20, goal. Uh, last thought here on, on, on Drake May is that, um, you know, we, we talk about how, you know, quarterbacks fail as prospects. Oftentimes, team fail quarterbacks, fail quarterbacks as prospects as well. You got to, as you said, put some pieces around them. Uh, player five off the board, Mel, Los Angeles Chargers, not taking the quarterback with Justin Herbert. Probably not a defensive player available that you're taking at pick five. So who is it at pick five overall? This was a tough one, Field, because there's a lot of options there. You could go wide receiver. You could go offensive line, tackle. You could go Brock Bowers. And Brock Bowers, let's just call him a receiving entity. Uh, he's a great player, the greatest of all time at that position in college. The ability to talk about stress of defense after the catch, um, he can run through you, he can run around you, and he can run by you, Field. This guy is fast, and he catches the football effortlessly. We talk about the, the guys like Kittle, and you think about Kelsey and Andrews, and the list goes on and on, right? We see Dalton Kincaid emerging in Buffalo as a star for Josh Allen. Brock Bowers can be that guy for Justin Herbert. They had a guy named Kellen Winslow back in the day with the San Diego Chargers, right? Brock Bowers has a chance to be the way you can utilize him and move him around, create those mat- match-up mismatches, right? Uh, Brock Bowers Hours to me had the injury this year uh, with tightrope surgery. He didn't have the season that expected because of that. But overall, his body of work and his talent, and when you watch him, it screams top five, top six overall. And the Chargers need a player like that for Justin Herbert. Can't get there, Mel. I love. Love Brock Bowers. Everything you said is a fair representation of who he is. The only two-time John Mackey Award winner ever. All those things are great. But every time I think about this pick, I come back to positional value. There are two spots that would be in terms of where players rank overall in our board. I think, you know, very acceptable at fifth overall. Offensive tackle or wide receiver, right? An elite wide receiver. Obviously, it's not going to be Marvin Harrison Jr. We think he'll be gone by pick five. But a Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze, maybe a Joe Alt. I get it. They have Rashawn Slater. I concede that as much. I think about Panay Sewell, right? I mean, Panay Sewell flips from left tackle to right tackle. Chris Collins was said on the broadcast of the playoff game yesterday. He might be the best offensive lineman in the entire sport right now. So I keep coming back to whether mm-hmm. the Chargers should instead prioritize position over maybe like player rank. And I don't know if Joe Alt has desires to play right tackle or Olu Fashionu has desires to play right tackle. But assuming those one of those two players is on board with the idea, Mel, wouldn't you just love the idea of saying, all right, for the next – Called seven, eight years, we have our quarterback, our left tackle, and our right tackle all wrapped up. That's a pretty darn good starting spot for any offensive nucleus. Field, you're a heck of a lot younger, but you got to adapt to the times, pal. You got to adapt, Field. You got, yeah, and I'm trying to adapt to this running back spot. I talked about even guys like Gibbs. Is they're not just running backs; they're all around weapons, right? That's the word, weapon. Let's just call Brock Bowers what he is. He's a pass receiving entity and a heck of a weapon. So let's not lock him in. Pigeonhole is a tight end. He is much more than that. And in this day and age, you see what these guys mean to quarterbacks. They're the quarterback's best friend, right? And I think you look at Dalton Kincaid. If you look at Dalton Kincaid now, would you say late first round? 
It was a heck of a bargain. They yeah. should have gone a lot higher. Teams would love to have a Dalton Kincaid in the fold. We think about Mark Andrews. What was he, a third-round pick? Kittle was a fifth-round pick. What was Kelsey, a third-round pick? You're talking about third, fourth round for those guys, fifth round, like I say, for Kittle. And we saw Kincaid go in the end of the first round. So I think you look at it and you say, well, Kyle Pitts went in the top part. Okay, Receiving entities, whatever they are, let's just go for the guy that can help our team the most. And I, you mentioned the fact that Penny Sewell, they, remember, they took Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell, the Cincinnati Bengals did. That allowed them to get down to Detroit, which was a heck of a pick. But the Bengals opted for the receiver for Joe Burrow, his former teammate at LSU, over the offensive tackle. And here, I think with Brock Bowers being so, so good and will mean so much to Justin Herbert, you can find maybe that offensive lineman down the line just a bit that can help you there. I agree with you. It's a need. Uh, you could go wide receiver here and take a Malik Neighbors or a Romo Dunza. You could certainly do that. Uh, a fashion new, certainly, or all makes sense. But I just think Brock Bowers. I can't say. I thought about dropping him the 10 field to the Jets. At the end of the day, I couldn't do it. I slept on it. I said, there's no way he's getting the 10. He's not getting the 10. Yeah. Some think he will. I don't think he will. That's why I moved him up to five. Only one thing I wanted to correct you on, Mel, is you were telling me I'm young. I got to catch up with the times. Keep this in mind. Brock Bowers may be an offensive entity until he gets to contract negotiations. And then the Chargers will tell him, hey, you know, you're a tight end. Remember now, Malik, you know, these, those top end wide receivers make 30 million bucks a year. Tight ends make 17. You are a tight end, my friend. No trying to wiggle your way into that wide receiver <laughs> negotiation that might include about a $10 million per year raise compared to a top tight end. All right, let's get to uh, pick number 10, Mel. You said you wanted to put Brock Bowers there. You couldn't find a way. Instead, who do the Jets end up with? We've mentioned them already. I know you did Fiat Olu. Fashionu from Penn State, who is super athletic. And he is a guy who say light on his feet. Now for the Jets, Aaron Rodgers wants to play a couple more years, right? Aaron Rodgers played what, a couple plays this past year and then got hurt. Fashionu was a developing standout at that left tackle spot. Talking about the feet, the balance, and pass protection. Maintaining that frame between the defensive end and the quarterback. He does that on a consistent basis. And he's going to keep getting better. He has not yet been as good as he will be when he's coached up by the best offensive line coaches in the world. For Aaron Rodgers, he desperately needs somebody to give him time to throw the football. Yes, do they need a receiver opposite Garrett Wilson? Could they use a guy like Brock Bowers if he's there? Certainly they could. But I have Joe Alt off the board by this pick. Olu Fashno available at this point. And if he is, I don't think it should take long to get his name in and, uh, and let uh, Roger Goodell read out his name to everybody. The New York Jets' first-round pick is Olu Fashno from Penn State because that's what they need. It makes sense. Does he get the 10? We can debate that. We'll probably be talking about that in the next couple of months, Field, But in this particular mock, I have him dropping to the 10th spot. You know, Mel, Brees Hall came on so strong down the finish last year. I felt like he was sprinting every time I turned on a Jets game down the sideline, usually with nobody within 10 yards of him. If the Jets have an opportunity to take one of the two top offensive tackles at pick 10, I need Brees Hall to sprint to Detroit and hand the card to Roger Goodell. Because, and I get it. This team maybe has more holes than we expected it to coming into this past season with Aaron Rodgers. But you get Aaron Rodgers back healthy, which, heck, as we know, he was practicing at the end of last season. No reason to believe he won't be ready to go at the start of this next year. And you just reinforce this offensive line with every resource you have available, Mel. And we're talking about a playoff team, a good playoff team, by the way, as well. That defense was stifling this year. The defense did an amazing job limiting every capable pass catcher that came its way. If you get Fashionu and this offensive line going, 
the Jets' offense will all of a sudden be a much more passable group, and this team will be in the playoffs next season. Pick 13 to uh, Mel is, I'm going to put my Todd, Todd, Todd hat in a second, but you have the Raiders taking an interesting Alabama prospect. Who is it? Terry and Arnold, uh, cornerback from Alabama, not cool Aiden McKinstry, but Terry and Arnold, who has length, certainly has versatility as well, and he will tackle you, Field. He was a guy right there at the lead of their tackle board all year, picking off passes, breaking up passes, and I like the fact that he learned not to be as grabby and as handsy as he had been. Because in the NFL, you can't. I hate those, like I say, those third down uh, penalties that give teams a first down, and they don't earn it, but they get it because the defensive back is not not doing what he needs to do in the NFL. He got away with it in college, can't do it in the NFL. Terry and Arnold, coached up by Nick Saban, by the way. That's Nick's forte. His specialty is defensive backs. He works with those guys. He challenges those guys in practice every day. Terry and Arnold's length and his versatility and the ball production. The production, get those interceptions. Ball skills, get the turnover when it, the opportunity presents itself. And critical tackle. You cannot be a guy who's going to have a defense play with 10 men. Your corners have to be able to tackle, and they have to be able to tackle in space because that's what this gets, a space game now. Arnold can do that, and he gives you the versatility as well. I think Terry and Arnold, the key is going to be field, and this is pre-combine, pre-senior bowl, but as the combine pro day, how fast is Terry and Arnold going to be? I think that 40 time will be important if he is fast enough. He solidifies the mid-first round grain. If he doesn't run fast enough, maybe he got drops into the late first round. But right now, I say he goes ahead of his teammate, Kool-Aid McKinstry, and goes somewhere in the middle of the first round. McKinstry, by the way, a borderline late first, early second round pick. You have to look at the first round tomorrow to see if I have Kool-Aid in there, but I have Terry and Arnold right now in that uh, first round spot at 13 to the Raiders. Yeah, full mock, by the way, available on ESPN Plus tomorrow, Tuesday. Check it out. Of course, Mel will be all over your TV all day to talk about the various picks that he made or did not make, we shall see exactly how 1 through 32 shakes out. But now I get to play Todd, Todd, Todd here for a second. Because a couple of weeks ago, we're talking about Terry on Arnold. You're telling me this guy's too grabby. You just talked about it. You know, you're a little bit lower on Terry on Arnold, and all of a sudden the tides have turned. So what changed since our last evaluation, other than the stuff that you just mentioned in your prior answer on what he brings to the table? I was a little too critical when we talked because I went back and I looked at him. I said, okay, what he's doing, he's doing subtle things to do what you need to do in the NFL. In the NFL, you're going to be a little handsy, a little grabby. You're going to do this. There's a subtle way to get away with it. Terry and Arnold showed that, and I love the way he aggressively came up and made tackles. He was a guy, he sensed things so quickly, Field. His instincts and his awareness is outstanding. And I think when you look at the ability to help that secondary and wear a lot of hats in that secondary and come up with big plays, I Eight defensive backs when the opportunity is there to get that turnover and you don't do it. And that frustrates the heck out of me. Terry and Arnold showed that capability. He's an enthusiastic, energetic player. He's always talking. He's smart. He's got a great football IQ. He's going to be NFL ready right away as a rookie. Uh, and in this division, you got to play against Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, right? And you think about those in the ASC with all those great quarterbacks. Uh, and this is a team that needs them. You got Crosby, you got Tyree Wilson, hopefully developing opposite. Op- at Max, uh, all of a sudden now you get a cornerback like Terry Arnold, who if, like I say, if he runs the kind of 40 he needs to, I'm with you, Field. Uh, I think you convinced me, pal. You wore me out on him, and I went back and looked at him. I think he does go in the middle of the first round. That didn't take long. I love it. I love an easy, convincing job, by the way. And the Raiders did do a pretty good job of piecing things together in the secondary down the stretch, right? 
Jack Jones acquired off of waivers, ended up being a big play machine for them. Nate Hobbs, a guy who has probably outperformed some of the question marks that followed him coming into the NFL. They've just kind of found young ballers in the secondary, but the number one lockdown corner probably still lacking there in Las Vegas. Congrats to former ESPN colleague Antonio Pierce, now the full-time head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. 16 picks are available, Mel. And we cut it off at 16, not just because that's halfway through the first draft. <laughs> first round, I should say. But also because pick 16 for the Seattle Seahawks is extremely compelling. Who are they taking? Yeah, compelling is right. And uh, I think when you look at J.J. McCarthy, I said, okay, where is the fourth quarterback? Now, first of all, who is the fourth quarterback field? And when you make your calls, keep in mind this is about talking to people in the league in conjunction with what you think, what you say. I don't have a first-round grade right now on J.J. McCarthy. Well, we'll uh, by the time we get to late April, we'll see. But there are people you speak to say, hey, keep an eye on this guy. You know, Jim Harbaugh loves him, but there's a lot to like about J.J. McCarthy. He's going to look at the size. He's going to be bigger than 202, okay? He's going to be up around at 210, 215. He's going to test athletically off the charts. He's going to be, he's a, he just turned 21 this week, this past week. Just turned 21 years of age. He needs a little time, right? He can't be a guy, I think it could be uh, the C.J. Stroud coming right in. You know, he, Will Levis right away after uh, Tannehill got hurt. There's Will Levis out there doing some real good things, right? He Bryce Young's playing with a bad team and getting beat up, but he survived. I think J.J. needs to, kind of like Patrick Mahomes did, sit, watch, and learn. Maybe not the three years like Jordan Love, but maybe for a year. And I'll have that opportunity in Seattle. I thought it was a really good spot. You think about, you know, situation there. New head coach, same GM, though, and John Schneider, the team that has a quarterback. But now you get J.J. as the heir apparent. I think it's a good spot for J.J. McCarthy to gradually develop in the NFL, not have to be the guy right away. So many ways. Specific to the J.J. part of it, Mel, obviously you laid it out really well. I think oftentimes when you're scouting players, even though like the job description probably doesn't say you should be doing this, there are times where as humans you see what you want to see, right? If you're a team that's not picking in the top five, that thinks your team needs a quarterback, you might be saying to yourself, hey, J.J. McCarthy's got first-round ability, and Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix all have first-round ability even if maybe our composite big boards did not necessarily reflect that. I think James is going to end up going in the first round by the time we get through the process because there are going to be enough people that need a quarterback that are going to say to themselves, we see these skills that do translate. We just haven't seen as much of them as we have from guys like Drake May and Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels who have been multi-year starters who have played a lot more meaningful snaps in these kind of situations. The other part's the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, they're picking 16th, a team that's kind of like right there on the border, it feels like, of taking the next step. But what is that next step for them? Is that next step getting into the playoffs and winning a game? Is it becoming a true blue NFC contender? And might a team, who obviously is going to have a new head coach and perhaps other new leadership on the coordinator side, of other side of the ball, I should say, they want defense. That's my question for Seattle. Because the offense looked pl- plenty good enough to me, right? And the draft is not simply about filling your short-term needs. Obviously, it's about filling your roster with players that can become building blocks for 5, 10, 8, five, eight 10 years. Uh, does Seattle need to go defense here? That will be my question that I will be asking if I'm a Seahawks fan right now saying, I don't want Jay Jim McCarthy. I want a run-stuffing defensive tackle. I want you know a linebacker who's got some playmaking skill to help potentially fill the void if Bobby Wagner or 
or, or maybe Jordan Brooks, both free agents this offseason, uh, are gone. And there's no first-round linebacker that we would take at 16 mil. But I, I, is, is there a case for defense, though, for Seattle, given just how bad that side of the ball once again was down the stretch this season? Yeah, Witherspoon's going to be a great player corner, but the, the obviously the run-stuffing ability is lacking. I mean, teams were gashing them and running the football, and he made, obviously, the move for Williams, but the, I agree with you. But you, remember, the draft doesn't end after round one field, and we got you know seven rounds. You got undrafted free agents. The Baltimore Ravens got Keaton Mitchell, a great running back, unfortunately hurt, but was a fear-factor play out of East Carolina undrafted. We can go through the laundry list of names that Seattle and John Schneider have picked up after the first round that have helped the, both the offense and the defense. They have drafted well. They They've gotten guys at bargain points in the draft. So, like, for them, they have confidence that they can get those guys, okay? The quarterback spot, though, you got to do it early. You can't wait. And I think when you look at J.J. McCarthy, when you think about teams that could take him, and let him sit watching learners. The L.A. Rams team as well could go that route. But I think when you or teams could trade back into the late first round, so you can't necessarily wait on that thinking, well, the late first round teams, they got their quarterback. They're not taking J.J. McCarthy. Well, a team can trade back in there and get that quarterback. We've seen that over the years a lot. So if you're Seattle, J.J. McCarthy's athleticism field is going to show up big. Combine, pro day, whatever you want to talk about, when they look at J.J. McCarthy, you're going to see a dual-threat quarterback, a guy who can beat a defense and stress the defense with his legs, and he is super competitive. He is a guy who wants to go out there, and he is going to be a guy everybody galvanizes around. The defensive players, the offensive players will love this guy. He's got, kind of got that Josh Allen mentality. Uh, you know, He's not as big, but he's got that mentality, and he's added a little weight, and athletically field, he is going to test off the charts. You sure will, Mel. That much I think we can agree on going into the Combine in February. Very, very, very good athlete. Had a multi-sport background coming out of high school. Was a terrific lacrosse player as well. Maybe if Bill Belichick gets that Falcons job, J.J. McCarthy could be in play at pick number eight. Of course, his affinity uh, for the great sport of lacrosse is very well known. All right, so we've gotten through six of your 16 picks in the first half. I have not seen the back half of this mock draft mail. And we're not going to give away too much because, again, tomorrow, ESPN Plus, you're going to have the full 1 through 32 available. And you technically still have some opportunities to change it, Mel, if you decide to switch things up between now and let's call it bedtime this evening. But is there any other difficult decisions? Maybe it's players that we've already covered, picks that we've already covered, or just in general, things that you felt like were really difficult to either keep in the mock, omit from the mock, or anything in between. Yeah, a lot of those. I'm not. No, it's locked in now. Field. It's there. It's done. I'm not going to fool with it tonight. It's in. But I think Michael Penix Jr., quarterback out of Washington, with the injuries and that one game, that final game, the Michigan game, is the reason why I just didn't put him in the first round. And you get into the late first. I don't want to project any trades, but that could be a guy. Some people trade back into the late first round to acquire. So Michael Penix Jr., the decision was hard on. Do you put him in? Do you keep him out? Right. You think about wide receivers. How many do you put in the first? Which ones do you leave out? We have to see. I love Xavier Worthy at Texas, but is he a first-rounder? Love Tez Walker at North Carolina. Is he a first-rounder? Troy Franklin at Oregon, but is he a first-rounder? He's a lean, but he made a ton of big plays for Bo Nix down the field. He can take the top off of defense. What do you do with those guys? Adonai Mitchell, big fan of his. Georgia to Texas, late first round. Hey, what did the Buffalo Bills do? The Buffalo Bills came up a little short. Stephon Diggs didn't make that big catch down the field. Beautiful throw by Josh through his hands, right? You got Shakir coming on. 
You got another weapon. Kincaid's a great player, right? Do they add a receiver to help out Josh? Do they add a defensive tackle, like maybe one of the Texas kids, whether it's Devondre Sweat or Byron Murphy II, to help out in terms of stopping the run, getting next to Ed Oliver? Uh, I think the Buffalo Bills were a tricky team. Kansas City looking for a weapon. You talk about Rasheed Rice, heck of a player, right? Nice pick out of SMU for the Kansas City Chiefs. But, hey, after Kelsey and after Rice, where's the weapons here? They need a receiver. Which one do they take? That was a tough decision to make as well. So uh, a lot of calls at the cornerback spot, you know, trying to figure out. Lasseter at Georgia against Mitchell at Toledo, right? Yeah, you think about where we are with them. Does Kool-Aid McKinstry from Alabama get into the first round? What about Rake Straw Jr. from Missouri? So trying to figure out corners as well, Field was very tricky. And then the defensive tackle spot. Johnny Newton from Illinois as opposed to Sweat and Murphy from Texas, okay? What do you do there? Mm. The defensive ends, we didn't see those pass rushers really do it. Where does Latu, with the, the, the injury question, the injury concern, where do you put Latu Latu from UCLA? An outstanding natural pass rusher. Where do I put him, mid-first or late-first? That was a tough decision to make. Jared Verse, we saw some great performances, but we saw some quiet games as well. But he hustles, he's shown he can get it done at two different schools, right? Where does Jared Verse from Florida State factor in as a pass rusher mid-first, late-first. So those are some of the guys I debated all the way up to the bitter end field. Man, that is a lot right there to digest, Mel. And that's the beauty of these mock drafts is that every pick offers a ton of intrigue. I've always said one of the reasons why I have loved the NFL draft for so long is that all 32 teams, Mel, have reasons for hope, right? We are just one pick or one great draft away from all of a sudden being a real contender in the NFL. I know they came up short on Saturday, but the Houston Texans this past weekend showed their future is incredibly bright. A year ago at this time, Mel, we were not talking about the Texans in that vein. One last reminder, ESPN Plus tomorrow, Mel Kuyper Jr.'s first mock draft for 2024 will be be available in its entirety. I can't wait for it, Mel. Not only will I be reading it, I'll be grading it Uh, until Thursday. I will talk to you, my friend. Uh, Enjoy these next couple of days. Mock draft feedback, always appreciated. First draft is back on Thursday. We'll talk to you guys then. Thanks for watching us here on YouTube and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. He's Mel on Field. Talk to you guys later.